I remember hearing a country preacher say one time when I was growing up, if that doesn't get your fire burning, your wood's wet. John chapter 20. Beginning of verse 19, we continue the Easter celebration. John chapter 20. Beginning of verse 19. Where John writes. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, And the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands... And put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that through believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. For many years now, I've been teaching a Bible study called Disciple, Disciple One in particular. Disciple One is a Bible study that that takes you from Genesis through Revelation, and you do it in about 32 weeks, so that means you strap on and and here we go, because it's a quick ride through the Bible, but it's a powerful ride. When I was being trained many years ago, you had to go to the disciple training before you were allowed to teach it. Uh, they, they shared with us, and it's also in the front of the student manual, the study manual that you get, that when you start this Bible study or when you start a new Bible study, you should buy a new Bible. 
a brand new Bible to start out with. And I'm thinking, I don't want to do that. Man, I've been using this Bible for years. I mean, this is my study Bible. It's got my notes in it. And, 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 and I was one of those, you know, that was, that was taught, you know, you underline in the Bible, you annotate in the margins. And when we were at Emory, that was one of the things they, they taught us how to annotate so you could find things quickly in the books that you've read. And, and so I always write in my Bibles and, and mark them all up. And I didn't want to give that up. As a matter of fact, I, I wrote so much in my Bible that one time when Ashley was just a little girl and she was sitting in the congregation with a family in the church that we were very close to. Nancy was singing in the choir at the time. Well, she pulled out one of the pew Bibles and an ink pen and, and began to turn around and was going to start writing in the Bible when, when you know, the family that she was sitting with, being so polite because after all they're taking care of the preacher's kid, they looked at her and go, Honey, you can't write in the Bible. And my spunky little blonde-headed, blue-eyed girl, hair back in a ponytail, puts her hand on her hips and looks over and says, well, my daddy does it, and he's the preacher. <laughs> well, there was a reason that they told us they didn't want you writing, you know, that you, you wanted to get a new Bible, not one that you've written in in the past. And that was because sometimes when we have a Bible that we've already marked up, when we read that scripture again and we see our notes, we immediately go back to what we thought then. What we thought the time we wrote it down. And it's harder then sometimes for God to give us a fresh word or a fresh revelation or for something to stand out to us differently than, than the way we read it the first time because our notes will automatically take us back to the way we read it the first time. So what I now try to do is, is, is I have my study Bibles that I mark all up and I annotate, and I have a couple of other Bibles that I don't write in, and, and when I'm going to study for a sermon or for a Bible study, I first read the clean Bible so that I can kind of hear something fresh, like for today's message. You know, I've, I've preached this scripture before, but I, I pulled up my, my app on the computer and, and I cut and pasted you know, out of this scripture over to a Word document. Gave myself two-inch margins and double-spaced everything, so I got plenty of room to write. And I just spend some time studying the Scripture again fresh. Then I'll pull out the file and the study Bibles and the old notes and, and see, but you want to get a fresh word from God. Well, this Scripture that we're studying today is one of those Scriptures that it's just hard for us to come at it fresh because we, we already have in our mind, as soon as we start reading this, we go, oh, this is the Doubting Thomas scripture. Doubting Thomas. I mean, that's it. there's more in here than that. But as soon as we hear it, we think about Doubting Thomas. What an unfortunate nickname. You know, Jesus did not give him this nickname. The church has over the years. We have as we've read it. As a matter of fact, there are some Bibles that even have the heading, Doubting Thomas, you know, to let you know what you're getting ready to read. And then the problem is, is when we read it, that's all we see. As a matter of fact, just for fun, I, I Googled this week, Doubting Thomas, just to see what would come up. Did you know it now comes up as a noun? Doubting Thomas is now a noun. It means you're a skeptic. You are a doubting Thomas. It means you're one who doubts. You're a skeptic. You just don't believe things immediately. And, and the hard thing is, is there's so much more to Thomas than that. And, and we don't tend to remember the good things about Thomas. We just remember, oh yeah, Thomas is the one who didn't believe. 
Well, you might, you might remember back in John chapter 11, John who wrote this story, John tells us that, that Jesus was away and he got the message that Lazarus was ill. And then that Lazarus had died. And so Jesus says to the disciples, we need to go back to Judea. That's that area around Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Bethany, Bethphage. That, that's the Judea. We need to go back to Judea because I want to see Mary Martha. And, and I want to go there and pay my respects for Lazarus. And, and God's going to do some amazing thing. I mean, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. That's where he tended to spend his nights and time when he would come to Jerusalem. He would go to visit these very good friends. And if you look at John chapter 11, and I invite you to read this, not now, but at some point, you will actually see where the disciples look at Jesus, and I'm going to paraphrase, but they say to Jesus, are you crazy? I mean, that's really what they say. Are you crazy? You want to go back to Judea. Don't you remember the last time we were there? They almost killed you. The last time we were there, they tried to stone you. You can't go back there. That would be suicide. I mean, it's in there. Jesus insists we're going back. It's Thomas. Thomas, who says, well, if he's going, let's go with him and we'll die together. And we don't remember that. Thomas, oh yeah, he's the one who didn't believe. Thomas, he's also the one so committed that he was willing to die with Jesus. But, but we just don't see that. It's unfortunate. There are so many good things that Thomas does. But, you know, here's this one time that, that people think Thomas should have acted differently. And that's what we remember. I, I have a good friend. His name is Gerald Austin. Gerald Austin, some of you actually may know of Gerald. You just may not have realized it. And that is, Gerald was an NFL referee. And he was also the staff parish chair of the church I served at Oak Ridge. And we became really good friends, still really good friends today. And and, and some of you may see him on Monday nights, if you watch Monday Night Football, Jerry Austin's the one that's up there in the booth, and sometimes when there's a close call and they're reviewing something, they'll go, Jerry, what do you think about that? And he goes, well, according to the rules, you know, and he's the guy that's interpreting, that's Gerald Austin. Well, Gerald in, coached me a lot as I was young in my ministry and growing in my leadership skills and leadership abilities, and, and he became a true mentor for me. And, and one of the things that he said is, you need to remember this, one... Oh no, wipes out 10 attaboys. One, oh no. And that's the church version. Wipes out <laughs> 10 attaboys. And it's so true. We just, you know, something goes wrong and that's what we remember. Well, look at this scripture, for example. It's Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. It's in the evening. Now, John tells you that because he wants you to know it was just that morning, just that morning, that the disciples heard this. Peter! Peter! And it was Mary. Because Mary had gone up early, remember? And, and she ran to the tomb. She went to the tomb to see Jesus, to see the body of Jesus, to make sure everything was okay. The stone had been removed. The body was gone, and she comes up going, they've taken away our Lord. They've taken away our Lord, and we don't know where they've laid him. It was that morning, that very morning, that Peter and John, I love John. John's the one who wrote this. And John is so honest. He tells you, we took off and we ran to the tomb. 
They looked in, went in, they saw the cloths, they saw the headlining that was, that was wrapped up and laid off by itself. But John tells you, we didn't, we didn't get it. We didn't believe. John tells you, we went home. We went home. It was later that morning, just a little while later, they heard this. Peter! 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 Comes back to the door. I've seen the Lord. It's Mary again. But after Peter and John had left, she had looked into the tomb. She saw the two angels sitting there. They asked her why she was weeping. She turns around, sees somebody that she thinks is the gardener. And the gardener says, you know, whom are you looking for? And she goes, if you've taken the body of our Lord, just tell us where you put him and I'll go get him. And, and then Jesus called her name. And, and she said, I looked around and, I, and, and Jesus called my name. And when he said, Mary, I knew that it was Jesus. And I grabbed hold of him and I hugged him and I embraced him to the point that he finally goes, Mary, you got to let go. You got to let go. I need you to go tell Peter and the disciples that I've been raised and, and that I'm going ahead of them. So that's what she did. She tells them. It's important that you know that because they still don't believe. The very next verse, that was just verse 18. The very next verse, that evening, that same day, Easter Sunday, they're in a room. And John tells us that the door was locked. And John confesses, you know why? Because we were afraid. We were afraid. We were afraid of the Jews. And, and, and so it makes you wonder, you know, where's the nickname for them? I mean, Peter ran to the tomb. He's the head disciple. The tomb's empty. Mary then comes and says, I've seen the Lord. Wonder why they didn't go, yes, he said he was going to rise. And when I went to the tomb, I just couldn't hardly believe it. But then Mary said she saw him. Where is he? Because we're going to go find him. They weren't looking for Jesus. You would think if they believed her, that is, where did he go? Because I can't wait to see him. I cannot wait to see him again. This is unreal. He is alive. No, they're locked up in a room. We don't call him Doubting Peter. And John? John tells us they didn't get it. We don't call him Doubting John. As a matter of fact, how did Peter get his name? His name was Simon. And, and when he professed, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus said, I want to change your name to Rock. Petros, Peter, means rock. Upon this faith, I'll build my church. Well, right before Jesus died, Peter, the rock, denies Jesus three times. We didn't change his name to Pebbles. Why do we call him Doubting Thomas? Doubting Thomas. So the scripture says, John tells us, that, that Jesus appears to them and, and Jesus says, peace. Why? John just told us because they were afraid. And Jesus says, peace. You, you don't have to be afraid anymore. And then catch what happens. I think it's only fair that you hear what happens. This is verse 20. After he said this, meaning after Jesus said peace, he showed them, all the disciples, 
He shows them his hands. And he shows all the disciples his side. And verse 20 says, Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Did you catch that? They didn't rejoice that they saw the Lord until he showed them his hands and his side. Well, Thomas isn't with them. And so they go out and they go to find Thomas. And they say to Thomas, We have seen the Lord. It's the exact same thing that Mary had said. Verbatim. Verbatim. That very morning, Mary had said to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. They didn't believe her. And now, the disciples say to Thomas, We've seen the Lord. And Thomas says, Well, unless I can see what you saw. Because remember, Jesus showed them his hands and his side. They told him. We've seen his hands. We've seen his side. We've seen the Lord. Thomas goes, well, unless I get to see what you've seen, I just can't believe this. Unless I get to see his hands, like you did, I just can't believe this. Unless I get to see his side, put my hand there, like you did, I, I, just, I just can't believe this. I mean, what I think is important there is, he didn't ask for anything that they hadn't seen. They didn't have faith until they saw the same thing. We don't call them all the doubting disciples. It's a week later. This Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, they're gathered together again. This time, Thomas is there. Jesus appears to them and says, peace. Now, what I find interesting is John tells you the door was shut, but it's no longer locked. I just think that's cool. John never leaves anything you know, by accident. He tells you specifically. He told you at the beginning it was locked because of fear of the Jews. Well, now that Jesus is risen, they didn't lock the door this time. And Jesus appears again. Peace. Peace be with you. And then he sees Thomas. And he says, Thomas, touch. Here are my hands. Here's my side. Put your hand there. See, one of the things that John makes very clear to us is that Jesus has the ability to know what we're thinking and feeling without us having to tell him. It's kind of like in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus comes up to Jesus at night and he goes, you know, teacher, rabbi, we know that you're from God. Nobody can do the kind of things that you do unless God is with you. And Jesus looks at him and goes, yada, yada, yada. You need to be born again. He just cuts to the chase. You know, I, I know what you, we, you know what we really need to talk about? You need to be born again. And, and, and then in John chapter 4, Jesus sees the Samaritan woman at the well. They have this exchange going back and forth. And, and Jesus says, now, go, go tell your husband. And she goes, well, actually, I'm not married. And Jesus said, you know, you're right. Now, you've been married a lot before. And the guy you're living with today is not your husband. So you've answered correctly. And she goes, wow, how did he know that? She goes back and tells the people he knew everything about me. How did he know that? And here, Jesus comes up to Thomas. And Thomas is going, how did he know? How did he know what I said? Here are my hands. Here's my side. Don't doubt, but believe. You know what's sad? The next line is absolutely critical. But most of us don't remember it. Because we're hung up on doubting Thomas. But when Jesus shows him his hands and, and his side, 
John does not say that Thomas had to touch him. He didn't. He automatically believed. To the point that he fell down and said, My Lord and my God. Now, did you catch that? Did you catch that? He called him God. And that's what John wants you to get. That's what John wants you to hear. Is he calls him my Lord and my God. That is a profession of faith unlike any other. I mean, before when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of God, Jesus said, and I'm changing your name to rock. Here, Thomas says, you are my Lord and you are my God. You are God. John wants you to hear that. He told you that in the very first verse of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the Father's only begotten Son. That was the very first thing that John tells us, and the last thing that he tells us is, and when Thomas saw the risen Christ, he said, this is my Lord and my God. We often miss that because we're so hung up on doubting Thomas. This is not doubting Thomas. This is professing Thomas. This is proclaiming Thomas. This is testifying Thomas. That's who he is. He proclaimed God like no one had proclaimed him before. My Lord and my God. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 14, Jesus said, In my Father's house there are many rooms. And I'm going to go prepare a room for you. And then I'll come again and receive you and take you into myself so that where I am there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. You know who speaks up? Probably not, because we don't remember him this way. But Thomas, Thomas is the one who speaks up. Thomas says, well, Lord, we don't know exactly where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus says to Thomas, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Those, you know, no one comes to the Father but by me. And then he says to Thomas, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And here, Thomas realizes, you are my Lord and my God. That's what, that's what John wants us to hear. You know how I know? We'll just read the next verse. The next verse, where John wraps things up, he says... Now, Jesus did a lot of other things that are not written in this book. But I wrote these down so that you may believe what Thomas believes. And he gives us three things. That he is the Messiah. That he is the Son of God. And that through believing, you may have life in his name. Thomas. Testifying Thomas helps us to see Jesus for who he really is. And he didn't just say, you are the Lord and you are God. But my Lord, because I now claim you.
and my God. You see, that's, that's the Easter message that John wants you to get. So then the challenge becomes for us, what does it take for you and for me to move from doubting Christians to testifying Christians? From a doubting church to a testifying church. To where we can claim what Thomas proclaimed. This is my God. My Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. John tells us Jesus said that. And Thomas says, and that is my Lord and my God. And that is the testimony of the church. And that is the gift of Easter that God wants you to have. So that through believing then, you may have life in his name. Will you pray with me? God, it's interesting that we often see the negatives. Jesus was not trying to shame Thomas. Well, the church has done a good job of that over the years. And unfortunately, we've missed his faith. Thomas, the one when he sees what everybody else had already seen, is the one who testifies and proclaims, you are my Lord and my God. An amazing gift of faith. God, we pray that we too would receive the gift of Easter that Thomas received. And that we too can testify as Thomas proclaimed, that you are indeed our Lord and our God. For we know who you are as the risen Christ. And we are so grateful that you loved us enough to die for us and to rise again that we might have life. And God, we pray that each one here today has life in your name through faith. So God, move us, we pray, from doubt to faith. The faith of testifying Thomas. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We sing together our closing hymn, Because He Lives, 360.